week, we started our Christmas series called Wise Men from the East. Can you say that with me? Wise Men from the East. So the scripture portion that we read was from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So we'll not read that again, but instead we will read a couple of key verses. Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Can we read that together? Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. We also get that in the screen. Let's go. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we here we see the three wise men who came to Jesus. They did some significant act in their lives. That's something which is worth look, having a look at. They did three things there. They came there with a great joy. They knelt down before the baby Jesus and they gave gifts. And I want you to notice one thing in the scripture, in scripture 11. Let's read it again. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young, are you with me? Young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped whom? Not both of them. Worship him, right? Worship him, not both of them. So it's important. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented the gifts. So there are three things they did. Then we talked about those three things last week, a joy worth having, and a God worth serving, and a gift worth giving. Amen? Joy worth having, God, oh, I thought you will remember. Okay. Okay, let's do it again. A joy worth having. A gift worth giving. Oh, yeah, you are awesome. This morning, I would like to title my sermon as a God worth serving. Can you say that with me? A God worth serving. So let's read Matthew 2, 11 once more. And when they had come into the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. We are going to talk about a God worth serving. They fell down and worshipped. It is an act of, act of service. It is an act of worship. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If the star could bring such a, such a great joy... I'm sure seeing baby Jesus brought them to their knees and they started worshiping him. They started worshiping Jesus. Can you imagine? Nobody ever worshiped Jesus at that moment on the face of this earth. When Jesus was born, these three wise men and they came there. And they started worshiping Jesus. Nobody told. With the same way when we walk into the church... No one needs to tell you, come on, let's worship. When you walk into the church, you come with an attitude of worship. 
We don't need it. Nobody needs to tell us that we need to worship. Oh, come on, here is Jesus. Come, let's worship him. No, 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 no. If it's an idol, probably we need that. We need to come and put that idol in place and then let invite everybody to come. Let's worship. But we are serving a living God and we are coming with an attitude the same way the wise men came there. We walk into the presence of God, not thinking about those too many things in our lives, but coming with an attitude of worship and they just started worshiping God. I want you to observe the scripture closely. Fell down and worshiped him. They fell down and worshiped him. What an honor. What a reverence. There they could give to baby Jesus. They fell down and worshipped him. We see a physical act there and a spiritual element there. The falling down is a physical element and worshipping him is a spiritual element. I want to talk about those two elements this morning. The spiritual element of serving God is worshipping God. The physical element of serving God is falling down. Humbling ourselves, laying ourselves in front of others, serving others. Are you with me? The spiritual element is worshiping God, and there's a physical element is laying down our lives, falling down before him. Jesus came and he laid down his life for sinners like us to serve us. Laying down and humbling ourselves, laying our lives before God to serve others. So what is the spiritual element? Oh. What is the spiritual element that I spoke about? Worshiping God. Okay, now that we have it on the screen, they can read. And what is the physical element? Serving others. How do we draw this? We draw this from the act of the wise men. That's what they did. They fell down and they worshiped. They gave everything they had. They gave themselves to God. They gave themselves to others and they started worshiping. So I would like to outline my sermon in this way. We're talking to talk about the spiritual aspect of it, the worship, and the physical aspect of serving others. Spiritual, the worshiping God, we are going to talk about having worship as our lifestyle. And then we are going to talk about worshiping is an attitude of our heart. And then we are going to talk about physical aspects of it, serving others, loving, caring, and supporting others, and adding value to others. Okay, that's just an outline. Let's move further. Let's talk about the spiritual aspect of it, worshiping God. The wise men came, and they fell down, and they started worshiping God. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not something that we gather on Sunday morning and quickly, you know, do it and then wrap it up and then just leave everything here and go. That's not worship. You know, many times we think that, okay, if I go to church, I'll be having a good time to worship God. But that's not right. That's wrong. Worship is a lifestyle. And how do we understand? How do we keep worship as our lifestyle? There are a couple of help here. Keeping God first in everything. Keeping God first in everything. Priorities for whom? For God. Not for pastor, not for your spouse, not for the church, not for the ministry. Priority is God. Nobody else. No one else can take that spot. Nobody else can take that place. Let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. 
and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Can you make that happen in your work situation? Can you make that happen in your studies? Can you make that happen in your family life? Can you make that happen in your professional life? Keep God first. That doesn't mean that on a first day of joining, going to the university, calling the pastor and, Pastor, can you just pray for me because I want to keep God first. It's not just that. You can do it. But we need to keep God first in every aspect of it. Whenever there is an opportunity, do not hesitate to present God. Put God at the forefront and tell others, today I am alive because of who God, because of God's grace. Today I'm able to do what I'm able to do because God has done this to me. Let's not be ashamed to proclaim about our, the goodness of our God to others. I'm sure many of, you do, many of you are doing it. I'm sure many of you are telling to others, sharing about Christ to others and what God had. Last week we talked about it. The powerful thing is our testimony, our story. And we want to tell, we want to share that with others. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's move further. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 says, In all your ways, Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You know, this is very, very important. Especially, you know, when we are striving to do something, when we are trying to come up with something in our lives, when we are trying to achieve something in our lives, when you want to do something which we have never done in our lives, God is asking us to keep the scripture, you know, as a reference. In all your ways, acknowledge him. True worship is valuing or treasuring God above everything in our lives. We're talking about worshiping God. Many times we think worshiping is now when we come together and stand together and sing praises to God. That's a very, very, very lower significance that has a significance among the other things that we, we consider. That's a very minimum time that we spend in the presence of God, worshiping God. But there are many other things where we need to keep worship as our lifestyle. That's, where we are, that's what we are talking about this morning. It's very practical. That's what we need to do. Secondly, how do we keep worship as our lifestyle? Being thankful for little things. Those who are taking notes, now maybe it's a good time for you to take notes and go, go and, you know, read and understand. Being thankful for the little things. Small things that God has done in your life. Do not neglect those things. Give thanks to God. You know, God, like, you remember the 10 lepers who came to Jesus? And how many turned back to give thanks? One, three? Oh, okay. <laughs> For a moment, I thought I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, so one came back to give thanks to Jesus. And Jesus asked, you know, I was just, I'm just, you know, my heart breaks actually when I think about Jesus asked, where are those Nine. Where are those nine? You know, that's the heart of God. Even for the small things, simple things that God does to you, He expects you to be thankful. To say thanks to Him. He listens. He listens. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything, it says, in everything. I'm not really talking, don't you know, get me wrong, I'm not really talking about 
Even if something falls down, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Where it comes from, that thank you, Jesus. If it comes from your heart, that's really good. But if it comes from your mouth, if it becomes a habit, it will start coming from your mouth, especially Pentecostals. Right? When, it, when you start saying something, praise the Lord. I'm asking, stop your praise the Lord first. Where is it coming from? Why are you saying praise the Lord? Every time when you see me, why are you saying praise the Lord? Is it a custom? Is it a habit? Where is it coming from? In other words, it loses its significance. It loses its importance. God wants us to be thankful, not just saying it, but from the depth of our hearts. How else we can practice worship as a lifestyle? Having contentment in everything. Let's read the scripture. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just godliness alone. Contentment. What is contentment? Satisfaction. Satisfaction. We need to have satisfaction in everything. Simple things. The things that we have, God has given us, we need to be satisfied. Today, the question we want to ask you, I want to ask you is, are you satisfied with your life? Are you satisfied with your family? Are you satisfied with your spouse? What about your children? What about your job? What about your church? What about your friends? Are we satisfied? You know, God expects that from our lives. True worship is having a life of satisfaction. Having a life of contentment. With contentment, if, with godliness, if you add contentment, it multiplies. The blessings multiplies. God is honored. How else we can do it? Keep his commandments. By keeping his commandments, we can worship God. We talked about, you know, keeping God first in everything. We also said being thankful for little things, being, having contentment, and keeping his commandments. We know the ten, there are ten commandments. There are many more commandments that God wants us to follow in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We cannot be a worshiper if we don't keep his commandments. What are those commandments? Ten commandments. You remember? Right? Delcia may be remembering, right? Sunday school children. Right? They remember all the Ten Commandments. You know, it's time to take, go back and just read that those Ten Commandments, what they are. Keeping those Ten Commandments, keeping those commandments of God, what Jesus taught, and follow. What is it keeping? Keeping means following what Jesus spoke, what the commandments are saying, following them. By doing it, we are worshiping God. So worship is not just something that we do on Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. We try to worship God throughout the week. Sometimes you feel that on a Sunday morning, I'm unable to come to church. I'm missing worship. It's important that you need to come to church. But for work reason or some other reason, if you are unable to come, worship God in various different ways, wherever you go, with the people you meet, in whatever situation God is taking you. The second aspect of worshiping God is worship is an attitude of heart worship is an attitude of heart worship is from inside out worship is from the inside out worship just doesn't come just like that but it comes from the inside out 
There is an inner essence of worship that comes with an external or outward expression. Can you say essence? All of you? Essence? So there is an inner meaning. There is an inner essence of worship that comes in the form of outward expression. Can you say expression? Outward expression of worship. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, shall we read that scripture? Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. If you take the scripture and apply the scripture in our lives, how many of us are in this situation today? These people draw near to me, they come near to me only with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, today, most of the time when we come and get joined along with the worship, we just are taken, carried over by the flow of the worship. But how many of us are really worshiping from our heart? How many of us really know our God? How many of us really know what we are doing? How many of us really know what is our position in Christ Jesus? What is our identity in Christ? And how many of us know really to bring that adoration and that attitude, that praise and thanksgiving from the bottom of our heart? That's a real worship. So worship is not sound. Worship is not music instruments. Worship is not singing. Worship is not lights. Worship is not fog. Worship is nothing. What is worship? It's an attitude of heart. It's, we, all these are important. All these can be added to it. But if all these are there, but then there is no attitude, Bible says it is in vain. What is vain? It is zero. It's equivalent to nothing. It's equivalent to nothing. Music cannot produce worship. But it is capable of producing emotion. Listen to me. Music is not capable of producing worship, but it is certainly capable of producing emotion. Music cannot be the origin of worship, but it can be an expression of worship, right? So when it comes to worship, everything is important. The song selection is important. Whoever is leading is important. The worship team is important. Who is playing the instrument is important. The light setting is important. Those who are operating the lyrics is important. Everything becomes important in our worship. As long as the origin of worship is our heart. And if the origin of worship is not heart, not from our heart, from inside out, everything else that we have done with a lot of effort is a waste, is in vain. That's what Bible says. God hates such worshipers as they become hypocrites. When we say worshipers, we are not really referring to those who are on the stage. It includes everybody because all of us are worshiping. And when our heart is not right with God, God says, you are a hypocrite. Let's read the scriptures. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. What God says when he look into such worshipers, worshiping together, but their heart is somewhere else. Only their lips are moving. Only their hands are in motion. But their heart is somewhere else. And let's see what God says. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. I hate I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. 
verse 22 ms5 though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings i will not accept them nor will i regard your fattened peace offerings take away from me the noise of your songs our song becomes noise to god if our heart is not right with god for i will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream let it originate from inside of us let everything that we do for god when we come together and stand start worshiping god let's forget our mind has to come to a halt and our heart need to become active every heartbeat should start 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 praising god and thanking god otherwise it's a waste of time worship is also done in fear and in reverence that's what bible says psalm 96 verse 9 says let's read that together oh worship the lord in the beauty of his holiness are you with me because god is holy he is a holy god and we are as children as you know, as people who are not capable of doing it who are not worthy to do this we are standing before the throne of god and we are hiding ourselves under the blood of the lamb <coughs> excuse me and we are worshiping god and what bible says psalmist says oh worship the lord in the beauty of his holiness tremble before him all the earth god wants us to come in fear not that we are afraid of god but giving a fear because we rever we respect we honor who god is psalm 5 verse 7 says but as for me i will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy in fear of you i will worship toward your holy temple psalm says i come into the house of god thinking about your mercy i come with fear in my heart when i come to your temple to worship you when we come late to church when we come skipping the worship session what honor we are trying to give to god when we try to skip those things we don't want to participate in those things we don't have fear of god we just walk into the presence of god we may fear the pastor because you know pastor may some say something if we come late but that's a wrong attitude we don't want to fear anybody except god except god if we fear god we don't fear people but moment we don't fear god we end up in fearing people and god wants us to know that we need to come in the presence of god with an attitude of fear and reverence one more thing i wanted to say and then we are going to talk about the physical aspect of it worship god wants us to worship in truth and spirit let's read john chapter 4 verse 24 can you read that together in the screen with me john chapter 4 verse 24 god is spirit is it in the screen god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth can you just read a little bit little more louder so i'm just getting a little encouragement here little louder god is good and those who wow okay that's good so god wants us to connect our spirit how do we worship god in spirit and truth god wants us to allow our spirit to connect with the holy spirit worshiping in spirit 
Because we are, we are spirit being. God is spirit being. We have spirit of God inside it. So God wants us to connect with him. Our human spirit, we need to allow our human spirit to connect with the Holy Spirit. That's how we can worship. Worship in spirit. It's not just only speaking in tongues. But it is connecting with God. You know, our spirit longs to connect with God. Because you remember when the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, that spirit lost the connection with God. And now the longing inside of us is to connect with God whenever there is an opportunity. That's the desire of the spirit, but flesh doesn't allow. Now here, the, the John is saying, uh, uh, Jesus is saying, in fact, we need to allow our spirit, our physical, our body, our flesh should allow our spirit to connect with the Holy Spirit. And we should worship in truth. And we need to know who our God is. We need to know about our God when we want to worship God. So God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So we talked about a couple of aspects of worship. Worship is an attitude of our heart, not the things that we do outside. Let's move further. Let's talk about the physical or the, or the way they were serving others. You remember the wise men came there and they knelt down and they started worshiping God. We talked about the worshiping aspect. Now let's talk about the kneeling down. They knelt down. They humbled themselves. They lay themselves down for others. So the physical aspect of it is serving others. Can you say serving others? Let's read Matthew 2, 11 again. And when they heard come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshiped him. Serving others. There are two aspects we are going to talk about. Number one, serving others by loving, caring, and supporting. By loving, caring, and supporting. Listen to me. This world is not capable of giving what people deserve. That's why God had to send his own son. Bible says God so loved the world. Because the world is not capable of giving that love to human beings. It lost its ability. Now God had to come down because God so loved the people on the face of this earth. That is, he sent his only begotten son. And when Jesus came to the face of this earth, he loved people. He loved the sick. He loved the demon possessed. He loved everybody who was oppressed, who were oppressed. Jesus, Bible says, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You remember the story? Jesus loved many people. Jesus, in fact, he loves the church. Bible says he loved his church and he gave himself for her. So the love comes from God. This world lost the ability and today you and I are expected to give that love and care and the support to others. There are many people in this world, they are not loved. They are not cared. One of the ways to worship God is to love them, is to care for them, is to support them. You know, that is the motivation behind mission. You think about the missionaries who went to different nations. What really motivated them? Because they want to show that, they want to care, they want to support people. And this morning, God is telling us that we can be missionaries in the place where we are. We can be of people who support, who love and care people wherever we are. 
Mother Teresa, she said, this is what she said. Can you read that with me? The highest form of worship is to find the least among you and treat them like Jesus. She said it in a different way, but it conveys certain things. What does it say? The highest form of worship is to find the least among you and serve them. When she says treat them like Jesus simply means consider them, respect them, love them, care for them. You know, I really appreciate those who are working among seniors, those who are working among emotionally challenged, those who are working among orphans, homeless, homeless people who are not loved, who are not cared by many today. And God had given you a heart to work among such people. God had given you ability to just work among such people. I often used to say this. When we were living in Fredericton, we used to minister, uh, go and visit one of the senior care, York Manor care. So we used to go there and, you know, be in touch with the chaplain there. And you know what he said? Balan, if you want to really come, you both of you want to come and help me, you can really help me. I will, it's a 200 plus, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, capacity organization. So he said, I will give you a list of 40 residents in this house who has not even one visitor during the whole year. I will give you that list. You can take the list. You have the freedom to go and knock the door. If they are willing, you are free to spend time with them. So we got the list. And we used to go, go there during weekends because I was working during that time in the company. So we go, go there and you know, knock at the doors and somebody don't like us, some people like us, liked us and we go and spend time with them. They were not having one visitor during the entire year. There are many people living today in homes in the same way there is nobody to visit them. When everybody is taken out by their relatives for during the day, they just sit there. Nobody is there to care for them. Don't we feel that we have a mission work in this nation? Don't we feel that we are in the mission field in this nation? God has given you the heart to care. God wants us to do that. Because this is very important, those who care for seniors, those who care for such people. You know, you are really worshiping God. Your service is honored by God. Serving God, you know, is by bringing smile into those faces who probably never would have smiled otherwise. What a blessing that God has given. What an opportunity that God has given to us. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, Jesus said, can you read the scripture together? Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When we go and visit them, when we go and help them, we see them everywhere today. We see them in the streets. We see them in our workplaces. The person who may be sitting next to us in the workplace, he doesn't have anyone to take care of him. He doesn't have, or she doesn't have anyone to love and care for him. What is our response to that? God expects us to worship him by serving others. Benjamin Franklin, this is what he said once. Can you read that with, can you read that together? No one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of someone else. We are all significant, we are all important in this world. We are called to lighten the burden of someone else. 
Mahatma Gandhi, this is what he said once, the best way to find yourself, think about a man who may or may not believe in Jesus, believed in Jesus, who may, might not have been a worshiper, and see what he says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. What is the response of Christians today? What is Christ's believing response today from us? Serving others is not easy. At times, serving others is challenging because it is outside of our comfort zone. We don't like such people. We don't want to see them. We don't want to touch them. We don't want to talk to them. But God wants us to serve. God wants us to serve. It's not, at times, it's not easy. When we go to, you know, when I talk to people who are working in senior homes and in other, other areas, they go with all the burden, <coughs> with the heart heavy. And when they go there, when they see their faces, they forget everything about them. Ginny is here, she, she just nods her hand, her head. She used to tell me sometime, I, I can't keep at home, I can't sit at home. I want to see my clients. I want to talk to them. I want to care for them. I want to love them. One, even one day, I can't just sit without seeing. You know, I ask such heart to God. I'm sure you all do that. In, in various ways, we open our hands. We extend our lives to support others. And God is honored in that. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever you do, helping others medically, you know, even otherwise supporting them financially, in whatever ways we try to help, you know, God is pleased in that worship. At times our health condition cannot be an excuse not to go there, not to work at times. At times it is not time bound. You are asked to stay for one more hour. You are expected to stay, stay there until you see the last patient. You, you are expected to, to continue to do another shift. It's not in our comfort zone. But when loving and caring and helping becomes intentional, you know, we forget about our time. We forget about our energy. We forget about our issues. You know what, eventually God is honored. God is honored in everything that we do. We need to make an impact in, the, in others' lives so that in response, we will see a smile. We will see joy. We will see peace and comfort in their lives, serving others. Exactly the three wise men, when they came there, they laid themselves down in front of Jesus and they said, that, Lord, we are here to serve you. We submit ourselves. We are here to serve people, serve others. The second aspect of serving others is adding value to people. God wants us to add value to people. Probably we would have never thought of this. How do we do it? Every day, add value to someone. Every day, we need to live an intentional life that adds value to someone. Albert Schweitzer, he said, I want to read this. It's a beautiful quote. I just want to read this. I do not know what your destiny will be. But one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who sought and found how to serve. Those who are really happy are the ones who found how to serve. The happiest people on the face of this earth are not the wealthiest people, are not the successful people, but they are the ones who serve others. 
You know, serving others brings such a great joy, such a great contentment of your life. And God wants us to get out of our comfort zones. And let's go and let's meet God in, you know, in, in their lives and introduce them to Christ. How can we do it? A couple of suggestions here. I want you to respond to this sermon. Take it with you. And I want you to think about it and start doing, start doing something. How can we do this? How can we add value to others? Number one, by offering our time. Our time is so precious. We want our time. Our spouse wants our time. Our children want our time. Our employer wants our time. Your church wants your time. All of others, all, everyone wants your time. And now in addition to it, there is somebody who is in need of you, whom we have not reached yet. And this morning God is telling you, we need to step out and we need to go there. Time is the one thing that can never be wasted. Do not waste time. I'm sure you are not. Time is one thing that will never come again. When it is gone, it is gone. Every second, every minute, every hour is gone. The question is, helping you to take some action. Can you spend half a day of your week to serve others? Can we spend half a day of our week to serve others? Couple of examples, volunteering in the hospital, volunteering in the senior homes, they need you. They need people to wield them. They need people, you know, to do various things. Taking seniors for errand. I remember my brother who is in the mountain, he, he takes one woman, one elderly woman every week for half an hour. He takes her for outside to shopping, for shopping, for errands. Because they don't have anybody. They're waiting for the time that you arrive there during the end of the week for that half a day or a few hours. And God wants us to do that. It's a worship. Teaching lesson to children. There are various ways we can do it by sharing our knowledge. We are good in certain area. Why don't you come online and share our knowledge with others? Adding value to others. Jesus said, freely received, freely give. You know, it's very important. There are nations are waiting. You can be a tutor for those nations where nobody is there to tutor them. You can do it online. There may be many children, they may be joining if you do it for free of cost. It doesn't matter whether it's free or you pay, and they pay. But our heart is important to serve them. By giving our money, our generosity is a game changer. It brings changes in lives. You know, I really appreciate those who support orphans from this church. There are seven orphan children, they are, they are getting supported by giving your $41 every month. You're doing it already. There are seven children. There are orphan children. And what difference it brings in their lives. What difference it brings in their lives. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We want to support more orphans. More children. You know, God is expecting us to bring worship. Is real. Worship real. Becoming worship. Let worship become real to us. Let worship happens in our daily lives, in our lives, by encouraging others. It doesn't really cost anything to encourage someone. And all of us need to learn this to encourage. How do we encourage others? How do we appreciate? You're awesome. You can do this. You can do this. You've done a better job. 
you know, I can't help but quoting this name here. I tried not to say names, but you know, I can't help quoting this name. Our Reni, Srikanth and Pradima's daughter. <laughs> After the service, I don't know whether you notice, she goes around and she encourages, she appreciates others. And many times she comes to me actually. And at times she comes and she takes my tie and she says, she says, Pastor, your tie is so good. It looks so good. Sometimes she hugs me like just like this. And she says, you know, your shirt is so good. And I really like your shirt. Just a little child. Who really taught her to do all these things? Yesterday night, after the, church, after the Christmas event, she came running to me. Pastor, that sermon was so good, Pastor. Who said that? Who told, who taught her to encourage this? I'm sure parents would, have, would not have told that because they don't do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Pradima and Srikant, they do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, just I mean, I'm not really thinking about whether she or who is doing it, but I'm just thinking about you know, the, the, the attitude of it. I, she doesn't get really anything out of it, right? But you know what? Look at the heart. And I pray that God, you may give that heart to me. <laughs> I'm poor in that. My wife is now laughing. She's having a good time now. <laughs> Think about someone who's encouraged by you. Just call them, talk to them, smile at them. Just give a tap on their shoulder. They are encouraged. Finally, by our gesture. What I mean by our gesture is by our sign, by our action, by our nonverbal communication. We can add value to people even by our nonverbal communication. You can send a gift. You can be thoughtful of someone and try to do something. On someone's birthday, you can bake a cake and meet that person. You know, it's a good gesture you can do. One day you can do the laundry in your house. One day you can say that I will cook today, you take rest. By our good gesture, we are adding value to others. Why don't you prepare, prepare his favorite dish one day? Take her out to her favorite restaurant. We can add value by doing all these things. You know, this life is very short and we have given only a limited time to do all these things. And I believe if church is not teaching this, who else can teach this? It's important that we add value to others. So when we do this, the life is rewarding. The life is more fulfilling. You know, life that we live, we feel, feel that we are living for the fullest. At times we also feel that we have a purpose. We are fulfilling the purpose of our life. Other than that, how much wealth we have, how much whatever we try to achieve in this, in this earth, nothing is going to satisfy other than bringing joy and love and comfort and peace and support to someone's life. I pray this morning that God, even though it's not a very spiritual sermon, but I think this is the highest spiritual sermon ever preached. If you can touch some lives by our act, by our worship. Shall we all just arise this morning as we close? just want to summarize. God is asking us to make worship as our lifestyle. God is asking us to set our attitudes right before we worship him. God is calling us to love, care, and support others, those who don't have enough support and care and love. God is asking us to 
add value to lives. It may be your immediate family, it may be your friends, your extended family, or it may be your neighbor, or it may be a stranger. God is calling you to add value to others by investing in their lives. This morning, this is the call of God to the church, to, those fam to your family, and you as an individual. Now it's a time for you to respond to God.